0: this is jim english and welcome to my podcast and it's called who gives a shit files and i appreciate you listening and i want to let you know that it is october 31st 2021 halloween and i'm going to do a podcast called dancing with the devil but i want to give you a fair warning here this is a spooky podcast it's about the devil and demonic possessions the topic is very scary and it has caused nightmares in the past when i was on a camping trip with my son and some of his buddies i told this story you know how like when you're at the campfire and you tell spooky stories well i told this and it created some of the kids to have nightmares and some of the parents told me you know you may want to tone this down a little bit so anyways listen at your own peril because this is scary scary stuff so the devil or his henchmen the demon have been possessing humans for many centuries. In re- researching this podcast, I found out something that was quite interesting is that demonic possessions occur in the 21st century way more, way more, than I ever could have imagined. A half to three-quarters of a million people a year report demonic possessions to the Catholic Church. So that's 750,000 people believe that they are being possessed by the devil. And the devil's a busy guy in the 21st century. And it's, it's, it's kind of scary and unnerving. It really surprised me that it is, it is that prevalent. Now, the Catholic Church has 500 priests in 50 countries who specialize in exorcisms and an exorcism is a sacrament of the Catholic Church just like say First Communion or Confession uh, or Confirmation and what it does, it expels demons who have possessed human beings. Now the priests who perform exorcisms are the toughest breed and they are handpicked by the church. I mean, ridding a demon out of a human being is an exe- extremely difficult and nasty task. It is revolting what these demons do when they possess human beings. And a brave priests, really, who go toe to the toe to the devil really have to have strong stomachs to handle what these demons are going to do. Plus they have to have a very strong faith in order to defeat the devil and cast them out of a human being. Now these days you can go to the internet and find out anything you want to about demonic possessions. You know, I got these numbers from the internet and you could see it online. I mean, it's, there's a lot of information. But this was not always the case that for almost 2,000 years, exorcisms and demonic possessions were shrouded under the veil of secrecy. Let's face it, the religious community did not want their congregations to know that the devil could take over a human's mind, body, and soul. I mean, how frightening is that? The devil can take over your entire being. Oh, my Lord. By the way, this is not just a Catholic phenomena, because Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam all have religious rites of exorcism to deal with the devil and the demon. Demonic possessions have occurred all over the world for centuries, but only a few people knew the extent of the possessions and the devastating effect that the possessions have on the pitiful people, the poor souls, the devil selects to possess. What had been hidden for centuries behind closed doors suddenly became mainstream with one sentinel book. In 1971, William Peter Blatty wrote The Exorcist. He introduced the world to devils, to demons and demonic possessions. He's the one who did it. And The Exorcist is a chilling story of a 12-year-old girl, Reagan, who was possessed by a merciless demon, and it's also the story of her poor mother trying to stop the devil and the demon from dragging her daughter into hell. Now, the girl in the book showed all the possessions of uh, uh, symptoms of demonic possession including speaking in unknown languages chanting in strange tongues wounds would appear on her body and then disappear the next day and then reappear it was all over her body and then all of a sudden she was cured they would she would vomit strange objects she had superhuman strength she had violent outbursts and the ability to levitate. She could actually levitate all the way to the ceiling without any ropes or levers. It was all done by the power of the demon that was possessing the poor girl. Her voice would change and sound like other people's. The demon would torment poor Reagan's mother by sounding like Reagan's grandfather and the the demon would make her sound like, make, the, make him sound like he is in agony and being tortured. And this really, really weighed heavily on Reagan's mother's mind. The, the demon would blasphemize and cuss at any sort of religious figure, statue, had an adverse react to holy water. I mean, it was just an awful situation. And uh, poor little Reagan. Now, so when I when I went and looked this up, poor little Reagan had typical symptoms of a demonic possession. So I thought maybe what they did is they made it extre- extremely exaggerated in the book, but they did not. Now the book was terrifying and sh- shined a spotlight on the chilling phenomena. Of human possessions. The Exorcist sold 15 million copies and thrust the devil into the mainstream all around the world. It was the devil was the topic of conversation for everybody. And what started happening is they started making movies about the devil and they were being mass produced. And The Exorcist was actually made into a movie. And what's interesting about The Exorcist is that. They had a very difficult time casting it because people read about this book and it terrified them, and they didn't want to be in a movie where somebody is taking on the devil. They also made three sequels of The Exorcist. There was The Exorcist One and The Exorcist Beginning, and so on. And then the Omen series came out, which is an excellent, really scary movies about the birth of the Antichrist, and then the true story of The Exorcism of Emily Rose was made along with a a host of others, and by the way, The Exorcist is based on a true story that actually happened in the 1940s in Georgetown. I mean, even the Rolling Stones came up with Sympathy for the Devil, and by the way, that's one of my favorite songs, it's a great one, and Devils and Demons were everywhere. There was evil, even devil worshiping took off and started gaining momentum. These people had been worshiping the devil in secrecy, and now they came out of the closet and were recruiting people to become devil worshipers. Now, when I first read The Exorcist, I was chilled to the bone. And I was at Gettysburg College at the time, and I was like all good college students, I was cynical of everything from taxes to politics to religion and even though when I read the book it really frightened me, when I started to reflect on what I read, my cynicism got the best of me. Now, come on, a 12-year-old girl whose head could rotate all the way around and then all the way back and not break her neck, she could rotate um, and levitate all the way to the ceiling. And it was the power of the demon that possessed her to do this. And I got to tell you that I dismissed this book as total crap. So I didn't believe it. And my cynicism got me in the way, got in the way of me believing any of this stuff. But that changed. That definitely changed. Now, about 15 miles from Gettysburg, in Emmitsburg, Maryland, was a religious girls' school called St. Joe's. It was a two-year school that, uh, that was for girls only, and I actually went down there because it was a girls' school, and I was a young man, and my freshman year, we hit all the girls' schools in the Pennsylvania, Maryland area by Gettysburg, and St. Joe's was one of them. We went down there, and the girls didn't want anything to do with us. They were very religious, and they did not want to party with us. So we looked elsewhere, elsewhere for our female companionship. But I do remember that when I went to the campus the first time when I was a freshman, that there was a weird, ominous vibe on the campus. It was just something atmospherically that made, it, made me uncomfortable. And I felt like there was always something amiss down there. Rumors then, in 1973, after The Exorcist was published and read by the entire world, there was rumors that were starting that St. Joe's demonic possessions were happening at an alarming rate. Supposedly what they did is they had to close campus down and address these these possessions, and the devil was preying on religious girls that were on campus. Now, we dismiss this as also utter crap, but but a fraternity brother of mine named Dave Love and I decided to investigate. Uh, Lovey, who, that's what everybody called him, and I, fueled by beer and weed, hopped in my little 1969 Red VW Bug and ventured down to St. Joe's to see what we could see. We're gonna go meet the devil. David Love and I are gonna go meet the devil. Now it was a crisp pool evening in October when we arrived on this extremely rural and isolated campus. It's right against the mountains in Emmitsburg. It is, there's trees, pine trees, all over, all over the campus. There was a full moon, and the wind was blowing through those pine trees, whistling kind of an eerie tune. And white clouds were moving quickly across the sky, and it was like playing peekaboo with the moon. So what happened is one minute the moon would totally illuminate the campus like it was day, and then the clouds would obscure the moon, and suddenly... The evening was as dark as a tomb. The atmosphere was really eerie and foreboding because it was just nobody there. And you got the wind and you got the moon all playing games. It was, you know, it was scary. It was the the making of a slasher movie or a horror movie. Great environment for something like that. So we parked the car. And what we decided to do is uh, we went down to... The church, which was right next to the parking lot, and being fearless and by the way, lovey David Love was a football player, he was six five two hundred and sixty pounds, and he would was not afraid of anything, so he and I walked right into the to the church. Now we opened the door to the church, and there was a creaking noise associated with the door not being oiled, you could hear all over the church echoing. And it was like it was announcing our arrival, that these two people are here and beware. So at this point, I'm going to give a little context about my upbringing, because it's critical at this point. I grew up in a Catholic uh, Catholic school, where I went, attended St. Mary's for seven years in Whittier, California. I must have gone to church at least a hundred times. But what I saw in that church in October of 1973 will stay with, with me for all of my years. Something truly sinister was at work. When I looked around, a jolt of adrenaline and fear hit me like a thunderbolt from hell. I was startled and I was scared. And I'll tell you why. In the large abandoned church, all the statues of the Virgin Mary were facing the wall. Whoa. I mean, whoa. For a Catholic boy and the reverence that the Catholic Church has for Virgin Marys, the fact that the statues were facing the wall scared me. To almost death. The crucifixes that are omnipresent with Jesus Christ on the crucifix in every Catholic church were missing. They weren't there. They were taken away. And also the stations of the cross were missing and what the stations of the cross are is depicting the crucifixion of Christ from his sentencing by Pontius Pilate to his actual crucifixion on Mount Calvary. And these are revered icons of the Catholic Church, and they were gone. They were nowhere to be found. Now, Lovey never went to church as a kid, so he never understood the significance of this. Now, myself, on the other hand, I was petrified. I was scared out of my wits and wanted to get out of there fast. I mean, you know i can't describe to you what it was like walking into a church with my background and seeing what i saw it it just it just it 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 chilled me to the bone and i was no longer fearless and i wanted to leave i I'm like let's get out of here this is not right this is not good there's something bad going on here But Lovey, who once again didn't know the significance of this, shamed me into continuing our journey and to meet with the devil. Because on the way up there, we were saying, oh, there's demonic possessions all over. And what we're going to do is we're going to meet the devil when we get to St. Joe's. So we continued on, and I reluctantly did so. But he was brash and bold and bellicose and loud and he was gonna do it. He was gonna do it. He wasn't afraid of anything. Well outside the church was a grassy area that separated the church from the dormitories and the dormitories were mostly dark with a couple of exceptions. Some of the rooms had lights on on different floors. None of the lights were clustered together and it appeared that all the lit rooms were done in isolation for some sort of dark purpose. Something sinister was once again at work, and I'm telling you, after my encounter with the church, I could feel it, and I was jumpy, and I was not into this at all. So, my intrepid friend, Mr. Love, was gonna investigate the one of these lit rooms which was on the first floor and he dragged me along he insisted that I came, so I did and as we crept toward the one lit room on the first floor the pace of the wind quickened that eerie whistling sound soon became a loud howling pine trees started swaying back and forth the clouds were moving so fast that there was it was blinking dart and light it had sort of like a like a feel like a being in a disco where you got the black lights going on and around and around and there was some sort of twirling and I, you know to say i was scared is a total understatement so something evil was clearly afoot you got the church You got the atmosphere. You got the isolation. You got the fact that the wind was now howling and the trees were dancing. So we crept slowly toward the the lit window on the first floor. And surrounding the dorm was a high shrub that we waded through the thick plant to peer through the window. And what we did is we looked from the outside in into the room we, there's no way in God's green earth that I was going to actually go into that dormitory at this at the time and even the fearless David Love did not want to go into the dorm. So he was getting a little squeamish himself. And w- when we looked into that room, what I saw looked like a scene from my murkiest nightmare from the deepest recesses of my mind. I couldn't imagine what I saw. The room was filled with a grayish smoke. From my childhood days, my background, I knew that it was incense that they were using in the room. And a priest was garbed in an ornate robe and was swinging a chain with a a lantern at the end of it. And the thick smoke, looked like a London fog, was emanating from the lantern. The room was full of an incense cloud that looked like it came from another world. And the priest was swinging the chain over a bed while chanting some sort of incantations. We couldn't hear him because there was the window there, but we could see his lips moving and it looked like he was praying and he had such an intense look in his eye. He had no idea that we were witnessing what was an exorcism, a demonic possession. And lying on the bed was a gaunt apparition of a girl that was tied up and she was violently twisting and turning, trying to avoid the priest's exorcism ritual. It was something out of a horror movie. Clearly the girl was now was malnutritioned, malnourished. And Her coloring was a ghastly white. I have to tell you, she was paler than an arctic dawn. And she had things all over her. I believe that it was puke that was on her. Um, I couldn't see for sure, but there was something on her that was gross and disgusting. And suddenly, she stopped twisting and turning And the girl, or maybe I should say the demon, looked right into my eyes. And then a wry smile came on her face. And even Lovey had seen enough. And we left St. Joe's in a New York minute to never return again. I mean, this was a really, really scary thing. Now, interestingly enough, St. Joe's closed their doors in 1974 and never allowed another student on campus again. And there is no doubt in my mind that what we saw was a demonic possession and that St. Joe's was closed because of the girls being possessed by the devil. So that is my story about how David Love and I in October of 1973 dance with the devil thank you for listening